Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high-performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Early Childhood Podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today, sharing one of my favorite things. And this is something that has come up in a few services lately, and they were quite surprised. So they didn't know or didn't have the knowledge of it. It was their first time hearing about it. So what I thought I would do is I thought I would visit it in a podcast and share it with you all. Now, I can't quite recall where I first learned about this for the first time. But it was probably out of my innate innate curiosity to understand why children do what they do um, and particularly around why toddlers always create collections. Like they're always carrying things around. They're always collecting things. And, you know, when you open that home corner kitchen cupboard, everything just falls out. But it's not only one time that they're doing it. It's over and over and over again. Now, once I learned about this, it changed the way I looked at play. It changed the way I looked at learning and it changed the way I looked at the environment and it changed the way I looked at the resources because of how the children use them. What it did, it allowed me to see a different perspective with how children learn through play and the importance of repetition. It also helped me knowing what resources and experiences to provide in a baby's room, which I know sometimes can be a little bit tough and we sometimes default to some typical um, interests and things like that. But when we really delve into this and we break it down, um, it's going to change your practice. All right. So what we're talking about today is of course schemas. So whether you refer to them as schemas, schematic play, schema play, or schemata, we're going to break it down. We're going to look into the little bit of a history on schemas and where they came from. We're going to look at how they apply in practice, and then we're going to break each of them down and look at how you can provide for those within your learning environment. And then, of course, at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about what your role is as an educator in regards to schemas. Now, the easiest way for me to introduce schemas is to talk about an amazing experience you have planned. So you spent hours and hours and hours setting up this most amazing open-ended learning experience, all these different resources And the children, you open it up, you open up your doors and the children spend exactly seven seconds at the experience and it's trashed. Or you set up an an amazing experience, but all they're interested in is the box or the container you got it out of. This is schematic play. Now, It's like building an Ikea shelf and you can probably do it without reading the instructions now because you have done it so many times before. 
But the first time that you built the shelf, you had to read the instructions to make sure that you accounted for every screw, to make sure you accounted for every one of those little wooden things in those little holes. Um, And I'm sure, uh, like me, you ended up with extra pieces at the end. But now because you've built them so many times before through that repetition, you know how to do it without looking at those instructions. Now, schemas are like an instruction manual for children. By repeating different movements and experiences, they are testing out and hypothesizing so children develop physically and cognitively through schemas. They will manipulate different objects and explore how they work. They connect new and existing knowledge and understandings, and they're filling any gaps as they do this in their knowledge all through their child-led play. So what, what an environment is, or when an environment is set up to facilitate for schemas, you will find that the children will be totally engrossed in their play when they're exploring a specific schema. Now, that is until they've mastered it, then they will move on to the next one. Now, just keep in mind that schemas can also overlap and schemas can go on for a really long time. So I'll give you an example of what this looked like in practice as we go through. And then with these skills, they are better able to engage in the world around them. So let's have a little look at the history of schemas, history of schemas of play. So Jean Piaget, um, funny story, when I was studying at uni, I did it all via distance education and I thought it was Pidget. So it wasn't until I actually attended one of my lectures online that it I realised that it was actually Piaget. So Jean Piaget um, was one of the first to use the term schema or schemata and that was in 1923. So Piaget was one of the most important child development theorists and his theory on cognitive development was and is still incredibly influential. Now, Piaget was one of the first who believed that children think differently to adults and that they have an innate desire to learn and do so by constantly taking in information from the outside and from the world around them. A major piece of his theory of cognitive development was schemata. He theorized that children have three schematas, symbolic schemata, operational schemata, and behavioral schemata. So we'll be focusing on what he defined as behavioral schemata and what people refer to today as play schema, as those are the ones we see in action every day with our children. Now, along with Piaget, we also have British psychologist Frederick Bartlett, who was one of the first to discuss schema and the importance of schema in education, not only just in psychology and understanding how the children's brains work and develop. Now, why are play schemas important? Schemas are important because it allows children to have the opportunity to repeat and practice actions or behaviours. They help the brain develop and learn. It's important that psychologists understand schemas to understand the brain and for educators to understand the children within their environment and for adapting the curriculum. But it's also incredibly useful for parents. 
understanding that a particular behavior is really an uncontrollable urge that they are learning while doing it can be helpful in more ways than one. So sometimes your child might be exhibiting an undesirable behavior that may be really frustrating, but really what they're doing is they're practicing and they're in a particular schema. So for example, one very common behavior in toddler age is throwing food or silverware off their high chair or the table. So understandably, it's really frustrating and we want to correct them. However, they are experimenting while they're in the trajectory schema. Believe it or not, they're learning with every drip and drop and throw that they make. Not only are they learning cause and effect, but they are discovering how different things fall at different speeds how they all make different sounds, how they can drop or throw things and that changes the result, even how it feels different in their hands as they're dropped. Once you have an understanding of why they are doing a particular behavior and that they aren't simply just misbehaving, it makes it easier to cope with that behavior then you can give them other outlets to safely explore with a more appropriate activity. So this is why it's really important when children are exhibiting a behavior that you feel is one, maybe one unsafe, two, it's just annoying, or three, you would prefer to redirect them to something else. So for example, the other day I was at a service and these children started to bang on this um, metal gate and the metal gate was there to their fire exit. It was really, really loud. And um, the educator was so gently, she was like, oh, come on, guys, move away, move away from the fence, you know. Um, and so, but by looking at that behavior, by looking at what they were actually getting out of that behavior, um, we can actually then start to understand what we then need to provide for them, what resources we can provide for them to redirect them to something more appropriate. Um, So in this case, we redirected them to the musical instruments and we brought them outside because all they wanted to do was make big, loud, banging noises. And they really loved that noise and that vibration um, on that metal fence. Now, by fulfilling that urge in another way, it will hopefully curb the unwanted behaviors. In addition, knowing your child's interests can be helpful in planning activities and they will enjoy um, that and they'll further assist their brain development. Now, not every child enjoys the same types of activities and understanding play schemas will allow you to tailor activities to interests that may otherwise not be so obvious. Now, you'll know in your environment, some children may not enjoy arts and crafts, but once you discover their play schema, you can plan creative experiences that will really pique their interest. Now, there are nine most common play schemas. There is connection, enclosure, enveloping, orientation, positioning, rotation, trajectory, transforming, and transporting. 
Now, before I go on any further, this is probably one of those episodes that you either listen to in the car and then listen to again later, or this might be the time where you pause, you get a notepad and a pen and you start to take some notes for your service. Now, when and how do schemas appear? So schemas usually become quite evident in children from around six months of age and remain visible for the first few years. Generally, so this is really great in your babies and your toddler age groups. And generally, one schema is quite strong and is mastered, and then it will be replaced by another. However, children are always practicing multiple schemas at once, and not all children visually appear particularly schematic. In fact, adults in also indulge in schemas. However, we have mastered these skills over our lifetime and our schemas are no longer visible. So let's have a look. Let's break down each of these schemas and some ideas with how you can look at those within your environment. So as we said, there's nine different schemas. So let's talk about each one as we go along. So the first schema we're going to look at is the connection schema. This is when a child is interested in connecting things together. So a child exploring this schema may be fascinated with doors or sticky tape and how things come together and how they work. So a child in this schema um, might be interested in making jewellery by threading um, pasta onto string peg pickup cards, photographs, or washing. So use pegs to peg them up, create models using junk materials. So also in babies, like just connecting those little, um, you know, those little wooden shapes onto the stick and just really looking at how they come together. So connecting schema. Schema number two is your project, a trajectory schema. So an interest in lines, which may be shown through a child's need to run up and down, drop items from a height and throw objects. So some experiences that you can provide for children during the trajectory schema are chase and catch bubbles. On a windy day, you can take scarves and ribbons outside and have them blow in the wind and run around with the ribbons throwing balls or wet sponges at targets or playing on swings or trees. Um, So this is really important for the trajectory schema. Schema number three is the rotation schema. So this is where they have an interest in items that roll and circular items. This may be shown through a child's interest in wheels, balls and rolling their bodies. So you can explore the rotation schema with children through um, having toys that have wheels or cogs. You can use different size balls for throwing, kicking and catching. You can play with rattles, windmills, roundabouts or spinning toys, anything that rotates. So I find in a lot of services when we're observing children and we observe children always going to cars and trucks um, and just have you ever seen a child just sitting there just like playing with the wheel of a truck and you think, oh, great, they're interested in transport. (laughs) So then you do a big project with your class around transport. When in actual fact, it's not the transport that the child is interested in. It is the rotation schema, which is things that go around. So 
we looked at this rotation schema in uh, a classroom, a baby's classroom. So let's say it was around 18 months to two and a half. And this rotation schema went on for six whole months. So we got ramps, we got balls, we got um, different shaped balls. Um, We even got like, um, instead of a ball, we got a block because we looked at the difference between how a ball would roll down a ramp compared to how a block would roll down a ramp. And any opportunity for that uh, rotation to occur. um, And it was an exploration that the children engaged in, in six months and you could, over six months, and you could see that they actively sought out these different objects and these different things to make their own rotation ramps. And then we practice concepts, fast and slow, um, heavy, light, (laughs) um, and faster, slower. So all of these concepts, um, and you could actually... Through this schema, we learned to turn take. Um, they shared with their friends and it was really beautiful, all of the amazing learning opportunities that happened through the rotation schema project. The next one is the enclosing schema. So this is an interest in creating enclosures around objects or around themselves. So this may be seen when a child creates enclosures with blocks or cushions. So have you ever seen the children when they're building these massive structures, they just want to get inside them? Or the most frustrating one is, you know how you have the baby's cots and cribs in your dramatic play space and the child just wants to sleep in it? This is the enclosing schema. They want to feel tight, snuggled, enclosed in something. Now, what you can do for children in this enclosing schema is that you can make dens with blankets or bits of materials. You can use fallen branches with leaves, sticks, willows, string um, and cardboard boxes. So let them just get into cardboard boxes. And this is one of the biggest reasons that children love cardboard boxes, just enclosing themselves inside that box. All right, next one is the enveloping schema. So this is an interest in hiding or covering objects and themselves. So children exploring this schema may repeatedly cover themselves with blankets. So in this schema, you can use everyday objects such as pegs, curtain rings, keys, pine cones for them to wrap up, hide and fill containers and bags with. You can wrap So some ideas for activities is you can wrap presents and then unwrap them, of course. Swaddle dolls and teddies, dress up with scarves, hats and bits of material. The next one is the positioning schema. So this is an interest in sorting and placing items specifically. So children exploring this schema may enjoy tidying items into their rightful place. So how amazing and we would love for all children to be in the positioning schema (laughs) and be able to tidy up the classroom. The next one is the transporting schema. And this is the one that got me curious um, in the first place with discovering like why. I just want to understand why. Why do they do that? So this is an interest in moving objects or themselves from one place to another. This may be evident by children filling up bags to transport items from one place to another. 
And this used to happen on a daily basis in our service, particularly in the mornings. We would have our mixed age grouping and pretty much the children wanted to grab every single thing from the environment and bring it over to one mat so that that one mat area had every single object from the room in that space. And I asked them, I'm like, what are you doing? And they said, we're creating a picnic and they were having a picnic and every one of those items stood for something um, in their picnic. So in the transporting schema, you can use, it's really great outside as well. So while you're in the garden, you can gather leaves, pine cones, sticks, have lots of baskets, lots of containers, lots of different bags. So you can ask your families to donate any old bags that they have, like handbags to carry items. You want wheeled toys, prams and trolleys so that they can push things around the room as well. And that also doubles for your rotation schema. Tick, tick. And um, it's beautiful to be able to see them and you'll notice it's you, there will be someone in your classroom who is transporting things from one space to the other and this is sort of where I would encourage you to stop and reflect. Some classrooms don't allow children to move things from one space to another but I would, I would reflect around, are you um, imposing on the children's play? Are you creating um, barriers to them learning about the world around them and being able to relate one object to another. So who are we to say that this object doesn't relate to another object? It's very fascinating when you ask the children um, why, like what does that have to do with that? And that's also coming back to your positioning schema where things have something to do with the other. All right, then we're down to the transforming schema. So this is an interesting combining and changing materials. So this may shown through an interest in mixing water and sand together. So lots of different experimenting um, with that transforming schema. So this will be great. Lots of science experiments, seeing um, a solid to a liquid, a liquid to a solid. Um, so you can look at lots of different STEM opportunities through that transforming schema. The next one and the last one is the number nine, the orientation schema. So this is an interest in viewing the world differently. So children exploring this schema may enjoy swinging and bending down, looking upside down through their legs. And you'll notice that when they're in this schema, they'll also um, go through your legs and they'll look at different from different directions. So yoga is a great thing to explore during this orientation schema. And I have heard of some beautiful services actually starting yoga with babies um, and breathing exercises and using sound bowl therapy um, with their babies as well, which is really beautiful. So some experiences that you can do in this orientation schema are there's lots of energy. <laughs> so you want to play, to climb, to roll and tumble. You can visit local parks. So you can go on an excursion and explore trees. Um, you can get your mats out. So your big crash mats um, and do some gymnastics on them. So some roly polies, um, some frog hops. Um, what else? Do we? we used to do so much gymnastics. Um, I, sp I spy games and mini beast hunts. So using binoculars out of cardboard tubes as well. 
Now, so those are your nine schemas. I'll do a bit of a revision. So we've got number one is the connection schema. Number two is the trajectory schema. Number three is the rotation schema. Number four is the enclosing schema. Number five, enveloping schema. Number six, the positioning schema. Number seven, the transporting schema. Number eight is the transforming schema. And number nine is the orientation schema. So now that we've looked at each of those nine schemas, what I want to look at now is what is your role in regards to schematic play? So what is the role of an educator in regards to schematic play? So the early years practice is most effective when it supports children's natural learning behaviors and patterns. So when we observe children over time, you'll begin to see these patterns. So use a camera to capture different what we call magic moments that might be a significant behavior. Now, we know with observing that it is best practice to observe and gather data over a period of time so that it allows us to see um, any patterns that are forming within their play. We want to support them. So we want to subtly support a child's actions. We want to offer resources and plan experiences that will motivate them to explore further. So really look at your environment. Look at what resources you have in your environment for the children to really explore each one of these schemas. If you're feeling a little bit nervous about this, I would look at one schema. Pick, Look at your children first. Observe your children. Where are they at? What schema are they doing? Are they doing something over and over and over that's really frustrating? And you're like, why? I put all these things out. Why do they keep doing this over and over? Look at what schema that comes back to and provide more resources. So extending on it by planning resources and opportunities to extend the child's experience and use of a schema at the child's pace. As I said to you, we did the rotation schema for six months. And were we over it? Yeah, probably. We, we would have um, changed that long ago, but we kept observing in their practice and we kept analyzing. The children kept going back to that and playing and they were extending on their own learning. So there was no way that we could take that away from them. We just started to add different things into the environment that they could explore and extend their learning and also extend into different schema play experiences. Now, by acknowledging play schemas in children, you'll be able to better inform your planning cycle to meet each child's individual needs. Observe the schemas being mastered, analyze the schema, plan for the schema, then reflect. Experienced educators plan learning environments that support the development and mastery of schemas, thus have multiple resources available at all times. Now, remember, all of your children might not be in or practicing one schema. They may be doing multiple or others. So there are so many different articles that and helpful information about schemas. So my idea today, I just wanted to introduce you to the concept of schemas or schematic play 
in your practice and I want you to observe the children in your environment and how they are experimenting in these schematic play or nine schematic play approaches. Now, I really love a book. Um, I had this in, I've got this in my services. It's called um, Schemas, a Practical Handbook, and it's by Laura England, and it's just an A4 book. And what it does, it goes through the research behind schemas. It breaks down each one in detail and gives example at each age group, what it may look like in practice, and then how we can also observe and document schemas um, within our service as well. It's a really beautiful book. Um, it's color, each schema is color coded. So you know how much in early childhood we love color coding. And it's just got some, I'm just looking through it now while I talk to you, but it's just got some really great um, pictures, diagrams, um, and it goes through each, um, it goes through each age. So what it looks like for each age. And also she's connected it to the early years learning outcomes as well. So it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, and I really recommend that every services every service has a copy or some type of book around schemas to introduce that to your team. Now, off the back of schemas is loose parts. Now, I am so passionate about loose parts. So at our center, we had no toys, so to speak. Um, everything was natural and was able to be moved from one space to another. And so let me know, I'm, I could do talk forever on loose parts, but let me know if you'd like me to do an episode, perhaps the next episode on loose parts. But I would love to see photos of how you have implemented schemas into your learning environment on our Facebook page. So we have a Facebook page, Everything Early Childhood for our podcast. We share them each week um, and we extend on our different topics and conversations in the group. And if you're interested in having a support visit and having us come to your service where we can critically reflect on your practice and learning concepts, please get in touch with us either on Facebook or directly through our website, www.platinumed, so platinumed.com.au. So Jake and I will be happy to have a chat with you and come and visit your service. So I want you to start looking at those schemas, start really analyzing your children's um, play and how they're using these within the environment and look at what resources you can add to your um, environment for the children to extend on these as well. And in our upcoming episodes, we'll look at some other play-based concepts because play-based child-led is one of the biggest words um, that comes up most more often than anything within all of our um, national quality framework. So we'll keep exploring these concepts. Let me know if you enjoyed today's episode and remember to keep making every moment count and we look forward to catching you on next week's episode. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. We read them all. <laughs> to catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa Brown underscore Platinum Ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.